right, welcome everyone to another episode of the Brandon Archer Podcast, where we discuss and dive into the Word of God and uh, just let the Holy Spirit guide and lead us. Father, we thank you so much for your Word. We thank you, God, for a time to press in, to lean in, to hunger and thirst for more of you. Lord, I pray today as we dive into your word, Lord, that you would illuminate our heart, our mind, our soul. Lord, that you would remove every obstacle, every ideology, every idol, every everything that would be false in us, Lord, would, would uh, bow to what is true in your word, bow to what is truth in who you are, God, would rise up on the inside of us and we would become more and more like you, Lord. Every day, God, as we spend time with you, as we look into the word of God, that God, you would transform our lives, Lord. That we make a conscious decision to surrender, to bow our mind, to bow our hearts to you, Lord. That our hearts would be surrendered in in a daily sacrifice, Lord. Like you say in Romans 12, Lord, we present our bodies a living sacrifice, Lord. That we just come and we say, God, our life is yours. Mind, body, and soul, Lord. Do what you want to do with us. Do what you want to do in us and do what you want to do through us. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. And we'll give you all the glory. We'll point everyone to you, God. We'll point everyone to how awesome and how amazing and how incredible you are, God. Because you deserve it. You are the source of life. You are the best thing in this that that this whole thing has to offer God is the gospel and is uh, the person of Jesus Christ and we are so grateful God that that you have accepted us that you have welcomed us into the family that God that you have not uh, that you're not looking at us with disdain or uh, indifference but God you are actually desiring a relationship and for us to love not only you and what you did for us on the cross, but that you would love, that we would love who you are and what you represent. What's in the Bible, righteousness, uh, holiness, truth, purity of heart. All these things would be exalted in our lives. We love you, God. Well, thank you again for joining. And today I wanted to kind of go in to the book of Acts and read a couple chapters starting in chapter six. And we're going to kind of go and just dive in and, and just let it flow. And, uh, you know, the book of Acts is an awesome book. And it's, you know, the acts of the disciples. And when I think about acts, I think about actions, things that you do, right? Don't just be a hearer, but a doer of the word. And really, you know, it's the acts of the disciples, but it's really the acts of the Holy Spirit, right? The Holy Spirit coming, baptizing man, that connection being made. And then, the, and then men being united with God by the Holy Spirit, being surrendered and immersed in the fellowship of God, that that now produces something incredible and changes um, the doing, right? Some of them were fishermen, some of them were uh, tax collectors, lawyers, whatever, whatever they were doing to make a living. And maybe their identity was caught up in the doing. But once they became a disciple, their whole mindset um, everything was now shifted, right? Jesus says, you know, hey, you're fishing for fish to eat, right? To sell, to make money so you can put food in your belly. But I'm giving you a charge and a call and a heavenly uh, commission to now be fishers of men. And he changes their identity. He empowers them by the Holy Spirit. And this book of Acts is just stories upon stories of amazing encounters and uh, miracles persecutions, whippings, beatings, things that happened to them, teachings. There's doctrine to be found in the book of Acts. And today I want to focus on Stephen and I'm kind of tying it into what I talked about last week on my podcast. And let's go ahead and get into it. In Acts 6, starting in verse 1. Now about this time, when the number of disciples was increasing... A complaint was made by the Hellenists. These are the Greek-speaking Jews. And they were complaining against the native Hebrews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily serving of food. So 
sometimes we see in society things don't change until somebody makes a noise right sometimes because we're you know our human nature we're we have uh, frailties to to err is human you know we're going to make mistakes and in this situation there were a group of widows who were being overlooked and maybe we we don't know the motive there maybe there was some hatred or some some problems going on there and that's the reason why they're being overlooked or maybe it was just an honest hey man this was a mistake that was being made and so they were bringing it to the attention of the disciples and it came in the form of a complaint hey these these women over here are not they're not being served food they're not being taken care of and a lot of times you know in churches nowadays you know we can see this this thing ha- happening and we need to have this system that's set up that allows for these type of things to come and bring and purify our communities you know if there are people in the church that are broken that are hurting and it doesn't necessarily you know like here they're talking about food but let's let's kind of peel off the layer of okay they're talking about food and let's try to apply this to our society today where there's people in the church who maybe they're not they don't have a voice right and but they're being overlooked they're not being served they're not being discipled they're not being uh pursued nobody's looking and, and desiring to to pers- get to know them and to really know who they are and not only that but desire to know what god says about them what is god saying about them and how can we help them connect not only with with god and with with the relationship of being a disciple and connecting with with heaven but how can we be responsible for for that purpose of why we're here why we're in a community you know we're here to help people we're here to serve people we're here to give them heavenly bread heavenly nourishment for their life for their soul that involves purpose and destiny it involves getting in and, and making sure there's no bondage and chains in their life that's keeping them from moving uh forward and going forward and, and attaining all that god has for them in their life the devil works overtime on people to keep them from from being who god wants them to be and so god has equipped and empowered ministers and people in the church uh, and we're all ministers the bible says so that there are people that need to be raised up to be able to help and serve and disciple other people and so we see the complaint so we we need to have a, a healthy system within our communities to allow for these type of complaints to come up and not not just push it away as like oh that's just somebody's disgruntled or like really look at it and have a heart of compassion and love for people that allows for God to come in and and change this the system that's broken and that it would become fixed and now you're producing health and people are getting taken care of instead of looked over and you have people who are lonely in the church people who don't really have deep relationships they're all surface relationships. You you need people who can open up and feel comfortable to share the things they're struggling with without feeling like, you know, there's going to be a gossip column, you know, among a group in the church. You know, our churches uh no matter where they're at, just people, whether they're, you know, in America or or all over the world, wherever they're people, you're going to have problems in 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 uh, flesh. So, we have to have systematic ways of addressing these things by the spirit. God's giving us insight wisdom of how do we make sure that we keep a clean slate, right? So we see the complaint come. So the 12 called the disciples together and said, and I like how, you know, they say the 12. So the 12 main ones called the disciples. So there's they're making disciples, right? The discipleship didn't end with the 12. They're here showing, "Hey, here's more disciples." Um and said it is not appropriate for us to neglect teaching the word of god in order to serve tables and manage the distribution of food therefore brothers choose from among you seven men with good reputations men of godly character and moral integrity full of the spirit and of wisdom who we may put in charge of this task so we have this uh dynamic of the disciples calling the disciples together and saying hey we need to fix the problem we need to fix the problem here these guys are here to deliver the word and to preach and here's here i want to make a distinction here because i hate sometimes this scripture becomes 
the excuse for ministers not to actually minister to people. Like, I'm not here to minister to people. I need to pray. And then the next thing you know, you catch them and they're out playing golf and they're just goofing around. They're going and eating like expensive meals with other pastors. They're not praying and and seeking out the will of God and, and pressing into the word. They're out playing around. All right. And we're talking about like, you know, in organizations where, uh, <laughs> you know, it's like they're successful. And the next thing you know, they lose the passion and the assignment and the flesh gets in there. And the next thing you know, they're focused on playing instead of the pursuit of what of what God has called them to the office that he's placed them in. And the teaching of the word in prayer is it's for the people. It's not for the, you know just the minister. The minister's not there just praying and seeking God just for himself, even though it might benefit him. Anything we do with God is going to benefit us, but it's the purpose of it is for the people. If God puts you in a position, your responsibility and mandate is to focus and look at the people. So you're not, you're not, you know, well, I don't, you know, I'm too important to serve tables, right? To, to make sure people are getting their food. I'm, it's, 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 beneath me to do that. I've been promoted now to the great important position of prayer and seeking the Lord. I mean, this is such foolishness to me that people would actually miss this type of attitude of the heart where, where no, you, you can devote prayer and, and let that happen, but it's not in a way that you're now neglecting the people. If that's what you're doing, it actually will help the process of health and and, uh, making a healthy community, making sure people are healthy, making sure those widows that weren't getting fed are being fed. So they're actually solving a problem by making this decision. And that's what prayer and seeking the Lord, uh, you know, and being devoted to those things is going to do. It's going to solve the problems in the body. It's not there just so the pastor can, you know, be separate and like he's so special that he just needs to pray extra and become extra like oh, I'm so spiritual now all I can do is spiritual things which is pray and teach the word no you, he's still there to be an example to connect with people but he also needs to be in a place of praying and over the flock and, and, and or over his ministry or over people that he's over and making sure that there's no sick there's no lame there's no, no one in a deep place of sin like he can have this supernatural insight and how to direct and instruct and and walk in this place that doesn't allow the enemy to come in and be sneaky. So he's staying sharp. He's staying on point. He's staying sober and vigilant like God's called him to. So he's not spending all his time just here's food. We got to just there's so many people that needs here. So now he's he's delegating and he's empowering other people to do ministry which is serving people food. That that can be a ministry. But as we get down here, we're going to read about one specific guy who didn't just get stuck in a mindset of, oh, I'm just here to serve food. Uh, So here we go. Therefore, brothers, choose from among you seven men with good reputations, men of godly character and moral integrity. So we know that they're they're also using wisdom. They're not just saying, hey, just get any Joe Schmo and let's get him in here. Because how do you know? Like you're going to, ha- hey, let's get all uh, uh, Jerry to serve people the food. And then Jerry's over there stuffing his face because he's <laughs> because he's not, he doesn't have integrity. And he doesn't have character. So he's taking the food and he's putting it in his pockets and he's selling it out the back door. So you want to get people that have a heart for God, who are pure in heart, who, who have character and moral integrity. And you're not just giving people positions because you need help. Oh, we need any Tom, Dick, and Harry to come in and help because we're, we're, we're desperate. No, we're going to make sure that they're qualified at the heart level, that there's integrity in their life, that they have godly character, that they're full of the spirit of God, that they have wisdom that we can put in charge over this task. Why? Because they don't want them uh, putting somebody in a position that's going to then, what, find out they're, they're filling their pockets with the corned beef and hash, whatever they're serving up. <laughs> but we can, here's verse four. But we will continue to devote ourselves steadfastly to prayer and to the ministry of the word, which is a beautiful thing. And that steadfast, devoting yourself to that and now delegating, right? There's needs that need to be met, but there's also an importance that the pastor's on point with God. 
He's not just, you know, running himself ragged. There's there's some situations where the pastor does it all. He's doing everything. He's just he's and sometimes it's because he's a control freak and he wants just to be in charge of everything and making he's got to make sure his fingers are in everything because he wants to keep it the way he so he can be in control. Um, that's not a good situation. And if anything, that will suck and drain the life out of a, out of a congregation and it will allow for the enemy to come in behind the scenes in people's lives. As, as a leader, as a, as a shepherd, as, as somebody who's overseeing people, you're there not just to make sure their bellies are full. You're there so that they can actually grow and mature and become and be discipled and, and, and be you know, awesome in the things of God, to be excellent in, in the things that God has called them to be and do. That's a responsibility of the man of God. It's not just, hey, here's your need. Here's, here's some food. You know, here's some more food. But then behind the scenes, they're they're wrecked. They're they're wrecked. They're they're depressed. They're dealing with strongholds and bondage in their life. We got to move beyond that to now. Okay, now we're in the Word and we're praying, and God is opening us up in the Spirit to walk in a way that allows for us to have intuition, discernment, and and walk in the gifts of the Spirit at a level that get that allows for us to bring that um, health and that wholeness and that purity to that community it's almost like you're in your place as a watchman and you're not just there uh, trying to just do a job or collect a paycheck or now you're just you know you're settled into like the the this the, the way that you do things and it's not producing any fruit any spiritual godly fruit so in this situation we see in verse five it says the suggestion pleased the whole congregation so the need was there and the need was understood and everybody in the congregation, okay, yeah, that, that is the solution. That's what, that's what needs to happen because they, they saw the need. Not only do they have a need to be fed spiritually, but there's a need for people to be fed naturally with food, that people are being taken care of, their needs are being met, right? We can't just have a lopsided version. We're all spiritual, but then you got people who are busted and aren't being taken care of. You got broken baby Christians that are that are babies and there's no growth, right? Or you have mature Christians that have been there, but they're but the next thing you know, they're stagnant in where, where they're at spiritually, but they're feeding their face, you know. And we see that, um, you know, in churches, you, you see people who have no problem eating natural food, you know, they really don't. In fact, most people, that's that's the thing that that they don't struggle with, but they do struggle with prayer and being devoted and actually sitting and listening and being taught and then taking it in and allowing it to, to affect and change their life. You see them struggle. You see them squirm with those types of things. But when it's, hey, like anytime you do an event, if you say, hey, there's going to be free food, watch how many people show up. If you do an event and just say, hey, come and listen to the word of God or come and let's let's go out and let's uh, witness and let's tell people about Jesus. See the difference, right? If you go, hey, let's show up and let's tell people about Jesus and there's going to be free food, guarantee you your your attendance will probably double, right? So I think it's funny, just human nature. Um, but it's also something that we learn from and grow from. So uh, the suggestion pleased the whole congregation and they selected Stephen, a man full of faith in Christ Jesus and filled with and led by the Holy Spirit. They also selected Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenius, and Nicholas, a proselyte, a gentle convert, a Gentile convert from Antioch. They brought these men before the apostles, and after praying, they laid their hands on them to dedicate and commission them for service. So it's more than just serving food. And I mean, I don't know if you're going to, you know, maybe you do, you lay hands on people because they're going to go and now make sure people are eating food. No, it's more than that. And I think this is where I want to address something that you see in the body where you have people who will serve and they'll be there and they'll just, they'll make sure it's done, right? They'll make sure they're serving. They'll make sure the thing, their tasks are done. But other outside of the task getting done there's no spiritual fervor there's no growth there's no there's no outreach you know from their life to to 
be a disciple, to go do ministry, to minister to other people, to be among uh, the, the believers and actually have a word of encouragement or a word of knowledge or, you know, where their spiritual life is kind of dull and they're just they're doing tasks because that's what's been put on them. I've been in situations where you have people who are doing one task for years and they're just burnt out and they're and they and they're so miserable just but they'll do it they'll be faithful they'll do it every sunday they'll do it every service they'll vacuum they'll clean they'll sweep and and as long as it gets done it's like nobody god sees it but nobody else sees it but god also god also sees that they're underdeveloped in their in their spiritual walk with god that they don't have a passion and a fervor for souls for actually leading and, and bringing other people into their life to show them about Jesus. They'll sweep a rug and they'll sweep it good or they'll or, or vacuum a carpet or they'll clean the bathrooms and they'll do a good job, but it ends there. God's not calling us to clean bathrooms. He's calling us to the work of the ministry. Cleaning bathrooms and doing an excellent job is God's heart. He wants that, but he doesn't want us to just be like, okay, check mark, I did it and I did a good job. It's beyond that. God wants us to clean bathrooms and grow in our ability to minister to other people. The message of the gospel, the purpose of the gospel. So we see after uh, they chose them, they laid hands on them and commissioned them. So there's a, I believe that as they're laying hands on them, there is a, there is a transference of authority and, and a recognition of, hey, these guys are called they're chosen we're gonna we're releasing them into this office to do ministry not just serve tables but do ministry to be servants we're all servants every minister is a servant but it beyond just making sure people have food that's great sometimes we have the best potlucks people make the best food we all get together we we feast but then you have people who have no the the, the you know sister susie makes a great pie but has, does she lead anyone to Jesus? Has she ever shared her faith? Has she ever laid hands in, in, a, in a place of bold faith when, they, when she's around somebody sick and she says, hey, I'm going to lay hands on you. Hey, when she's out there in the world and she sees somebody depressed and oppressed and, and weighed down by life, does she go and she speak a word of fire and, in, and encourage them with the spirit of God? Or does she just make a good pie that everybody comes and eats? See, this is the reality I believe this, this is getting into here. Where there's a neglect and that neglect just isn't natural. It's not just, hey, these widows aren't eating. There's also a, a neglect, a spiritual neglect that can happen where people aren't maturing. They're not growing and in, in becoming who God has called them and wants them to be. That's why we have ministers and ministries is they're there to help people engage with God, not just dump out information, not just pour out words and say, hey, this is what I think, but actually engage with people on a personal level. Get involved in their life. Know their middle name. Know, you know their story, where they come from. Don't just know a name and a face and just recognize them for that. Get to know who they are. That's biblical. That's God. God doesn't just, he's not a surface God. He's a deep, get in your life, get in your business, get in all the nooks and crannies and, and root out all the stuff he doesn't want there and mess with you to get you to see that he's, he wants more of you than just, you know, a little religious duty and lifestyle or a little religious, hey, this, these people want a clean bathroom and you have a heart to serve, which is beautiful before the Lord, and God's going to honor that. Do it. Do it heartily unto the Lord. But don't settle for just cleaning a bathroom in your life. That's not God's call in your life. God's call in your life is to minister to other people. Bring other people to help. Raise another person up. You know, don't just, oh, I'm here, and, I, and then people go, hey, that, that, uh, you know, Brother Bill, he's he cleans that bathroom so good. We just want to thank you, Brother Bill, for cleaning that bathroom. And he's been cleaning the bathroom for 25 years. God's heart for you is teach somebody else how to clean the bathroom. And as you do, pour into them. Make sure their heart and their life is pure before the Lord. Get involved in their life. Disciple them. 
be a light and then pass it on. Pass the bathroom cleaning job on and teach them how to delegate and move and get this group of of people that, that everyone can help. You know, a lot of times the helps ministry in churches, it's one of the things we, we need. We need people. We need people. We need volunteers, right? Well, if you put a, a, a requirement, right, like communities that require like uh, people to do things, to be a part, to like, it, it's like, hey, man, that's your load, right? Like you should have a heart to, to serve because because that's just Jesus. Like Jesus wants us to have a heart to say, hey, wherever wherever I can help, I'll help. And if it's, hey, clean a bathroom or pick up this, and, and sometimes that messes with people's pride. I'm not going to clean a bathroom. Not, that's not what I'm supposed to do, right? So you have this, this attitude where God can challenge your heart and be like, what do you mean? This, what do you mean you can't do this? What do you mean you can't do that? You can do it. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. But don't. if you just look at it as that, then yeah, I can see how that becomes my day. But look at it as an opportunity to, to minister to other people. Because you're gonna you're gonna encounter other people. You're gonna be there. You're gonna be clean that bathroom. Invite other people into that place with you to help you. And if they have attitudes and if they have heart issues, then we have to teach about these things so people realize, hey, if you got a stinking attitude about helping somewhere in the church or helping somebody, then that's a heart issue. Because all of us, if you had everyone with the attitude of, hey, I'm there, you know, put me on the schedule. Put me on there. But a lot of times you see it's like one person carrying the load and they're just scrambling and trying and, and it's just they're, 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 you know, and they're asking and people are just coming up with excuses and like, we got to hit that thing. We got to hit it and let people know, hey, come on, man, we got to serve. We're here to serve and, and not just make it about just the doing, but make it about the ministry that happens when you're serving with people. Like, don't just do it by yourself. Invite other people along with you. Find people that can help you because that's what this is about. It's all of us together. We together are going after um, people. And when people enter in and we invite them into a, a culture that, that, that's, that the ministry of helps, is, it's got to be there. It's not like if it will be there. It has to. It's a part of the Bible. Things are going to have to be done. There's things that are you know not fun that have to be done. But do we just like, I think... To me, I believe if the pastor would step up and put himself in a, in a position to uh, kind of be there, you know, maybe he's not there at every single thing. I mean, if he can't be, that's beautiful. But there's times where it's like, man, show up, show the people that your heart is there to serve as well, right? You're not just trying to be like super spiritual and like, I can't do anything anymore. Or sometimes it's like, you know, they serve so long in one area and then they finally get this opportunity and now it's like it's not it's not my turn anymore it's somebody else's turn and we create this weird dichotomy in the church of like you know you got to earn your place so like once you finally get a promoted like you're now you're a pastor or like you went from a youth pastor to a senior pastor and now you just don't have to do that anymore and you just get other people to do it i think that's just foolishness and it's and it actually shows the heart it exposes the heart of men that that carnal fleshly selfish heart that's like, I'm important now and this is no longer my job. No, it will always be your job and that's what you need to communicate to people so that they have the same mindset. That's the beautiful thing. So in verse seven, we're gonna move forward. And the message of God kept on growing and spreading and the number of disciples continued to increase greatly in Jerusalem. So I like this right here. And we see this this dynamic of healthy uh, helps ministry, a healthy place where people come into the to the church and there's this part's healthy then it actually causes the church to grow because if you have places that are lacking those are the reasons sometimes why people oh they're checking oh i can't oh i'm not gonna i can't go to that church because of this or whatever or i'm not going to be involved because of you know there's they feel neglected so if we have this thing on all, all cylinders, then what happens is it allows for things to grow. And it's not like a, a lopsided growth or just like a, almost like a false growth where there's a ton of people there and then the next thing you know, it dips and nobody's sticking. Nobody's sticking. There's not a, a, a strong like, you know, like a, a growth where people are sticking and now they're becoming disciples. Now they're, they're planted. Their roots are going in deep. Now you get people that come and then they bounce. 
And then you get other people to come and they bounce. And we count on a Sunday how many people came. Well, there were 100 people, 150 people came. They said, oh, that's great. And the next week it drops to 100 because 50 of them left because they felt neglected in an area, you know. And this sometimes happens, ebbs and flows. But if our helps ministry and these things are on point, then it allows for there to be growth and for things to spread in a way that is, it's really the work of God, right? Because we're honoring him, his character, his purpose on it. Um, and the message of God kept, kept on growing and spreading and the number of disciples continued to increase greatly in Jerusalem. So wherever your, wherever your ministry is, whatever city, this is, the, this is the goal, right? This is the goal of every ministry, every church, every whatever, you, whatever nonprofit that you, you're there to help people. The whole purpose is that it would keep on growing and spreading, that it would grow and spread. And the number of disciples, and then that happens is the number of disciples grows. The people, the number of people who are on fire, the, the, what you're producing in people grows. They, there's more people to, to help. There's more people to be all in and to, you know, if you're growing and then your, your helps ministry is suffering, then what that, that shows is that there's something lacking in the discipleship department. We're not teaching people, hey, this is about serving. We're not here to just show up, you know, and, and you get what you need. And then neg- and then there's neglect here. You know, people are being neglected. And that that issue hurts churches instead of helps. It hurts communities, hurts entire regions. Right. It hurts the work of the gospel, the work of the kingdom where you where the message isn't growing and the disciples aren't growing and, and spreading and people aren't coming to the Lord. So um, it says, and a large number of priests were becoming obedient to the faith, accepting Jesus as Messiah and acknowledging him as the source of eternal salvation. That's awesome. Awesome. Isn't that the goal? Isn't that like the, the supreme, all of heaven rejoices when one sinner repents? All of, imagine the party that happens when on a Sunday you got 15, 10, 20, you know, two, three, you know, whatever, like multiply, like just like 30, 40 people that just get saved that they're, that, you know, uh, sorry, I'm going on a little side, side uh, thing here because I believe it's important. You know, the altar ministry is not dead. Me and my wife were around some ministers one time and they were pumping this like, you know what? People won't come to the altar anymore. It's it's just it doesn't happen, and it's like um, sorry, but I, I you know maybe you just don't go out, and maybe you're just not around other ministries. But I've been in ministries uh, pretty recently where tons of people came to the altar and get, got saved, delivered, healed, whatever you want to uh, say happened. Altar ministry is not over. In fact, the where it's over is when you have men who make excuses. And then try to create a doctrine or some sort of, oh, times have changed. How many know times have changed? And it's, now, you know, it's different now. God doesn't work that way anymore. Altars are over. You got to adjust with the times. No, you're probably not on fire anymore. And you're, you're probably uh, lukewarm. And you're making excuses instead of seeking and pressing into God and finding out why people aren't coming to the altar in your church or why people aren't getting saved. And I'm sorry, but I have a, a there's like a, a passion in my heart to be frustrated with some people because you get around some people who say they love God and they love the Bible and they love the Holy Spirit. And then the evidence isn't in their actual life. And that irritates me to no end. It's not like a I'm better than you thing. like Oh, I'm better than you because no, it's, it's just like, a hey, you are blind to something. And you're acting indignant and like you know something that's actually false and a lie. Alter time nowadays. No, you're wrong. Come with me and let me show you. Here it is working actively. People with snot and crying and bowed on their face before God, weeping and giving their life to Jesus in a beautiful moment of surrender. So don't tell me that's over now because your religious dead church isn't doing it. And now you want to create it like, oh, this is just what happens. No. In fact, I, I just, oh, it, 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 because it's the devil. It's the devil for men to believe that and start to pump that out there and lie to people and get them to settle into, oh, this just doesn't, oh, and then, okay, well, I guess it doesn't happen. So we're okay with that now, right? Get the congregation to believe, oh, well, I guess people don't get saved anymore. 
It's just the times we're living in. No, you need to probably fire the guy that's over you. Go and, and bring that minister and hold him accountable to the reality that he's probably just dead and needs a, a, either to be revived, healed, whatever needs to happen. He needs a refreshing in his life. And if he doesn't want to change and, and realize, hey, something's wrong here, then yeah, he needs, you know, sometimes people got to take a step in and hold a standard. Hallelujah, in Jesus' name. So there's my little tangent. <laughs> Sorry, but it irritates me when I get around people who have stinking thinking. And I hope if I have stinking thinking, then people can come and challenge me because, man, if I got blind spots, I need people in my life. I need to be, you know, give me a little, uh, you know, what's that? Uh, you know, the, the uh, we're sharpening one another's countenance, you know? We're, we're, we're going and we're cl- and there's might be a little bit of a clash, but it's actually making us better because our hearts are right. When you got a bad heart, you clash with people, your pride, your area, all this stuff comes up and, and people, you, it, it breaks relationship because people are immature. They don't realize, oh, you're just, you want to, you want to sharpen our countenance. You know, you're, you're sharpening. There's a sharpening that happens. We get better. We grow. Now, Stephen, full of grace, divine blessing, favor, and power, was doing great wonders and signs, attesting miracles among the people. So here's Steve, Stephen's empowered to what? We're going to raise up people who are going to serve tables. Now, the dynamic of Stephen is Stephen's not coming like, okay, well, I will, I'm going to serve the table, and I'm just going to, here's your food. Here's your food. No, Stephen was on fire. Stephen had faith. Stephen was a disciple full of God, full of the Holy Spirit, full of a passion for God. So wherever you put him, he was going to be who God called him to be. He wasn't just, well, you know, I guess it's not my time yet. I guess because, you know, uh, Pastor Larry doesn't see that I'm great and wonderful. I'm just going to serve tables because, you know, Pastor so-and-so, you know, the the head honcho over here, he's not giving me the time of day. He doesn't think I'm great. So I'm just going to make sure people have food until he says I'm great. I'm just, I'm never going to. No, Stephen was like, I'm great. I have the the anointing and the fire of God. I'm under authority. I've been released to do this and I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it among the people. I'm going to walk in what God's called me to walk in. Full of grace divine blessing and favor and power was doing great wonders and signs attesting miracles among the people god was using him god was using him not because he was so great and so so special but because he was full of god he had a relationship and faith and that's all it takes what makes you different from other christians isn't that god loves you more isn't that god says hey you're you're my favorite no it's because you open up your heart and allow God to use you. Allow God, uh, you actually have the faith to do what God's asking you to do. That sets you apart because there's people out there who have, you know, they got, I'm not good enough. Oh, I, I just haven't earned it. You know what? I'm not qualified to minister. I'm not qualified to do this. And if you have that mindset, yeah, if you have sin and you got stuff going on in your life and, and, uh, you know, there needs to be some correction or some, some healing or restoration, then so be it. But don't stop pursuing the things of God and don't stop having a relationship with God. Like allow the Lord to come in and pour in who he is in your life. That comes only by your desire. Nobody's going to desire that for you. And nobody, you can't, sometimes, you know, you have people who are waiting years and years and years. One day it'll be my opportunity. One day I'll be able to. No, now, now is the time of salvation. Now, today is the day that God will use whoever is willing. You're not waiting. Oh, well, I'm just not ready yet. God, just not ready. No, you are released. You can go out and you can preach the gospel. All you have to do is have faith and trust. So what, you got to go to church, let's say you go to church uh, 20 times, 25 times, and you do 20 Hail Marys, uh, you got to do, you know, 75 Our Fathers, and then God's going to use you. You know, that's Catholicism and works, and that's what's dead. Those are dead works. It's you saying, God, I believe that I'm good enough. God, I walk in your, your holiness, your truth. I am who you say I am, and you've anointed me and called me, and I'm going to open my mouth and tell somebody i'm gonna open my i'm gonna i'm gonna show that i love the lord by my faith in you and i don't have to wait for anybody to tell me okay now you can do it 
Now, if it's in a church setting and there's authority and there's structure, then yeah, you need to honor that and you need to be submissive to that structure. You don't just go in and, and start, you know, acting like you're the man on campus because, you know, you're, you got these stray guys that come in and next thing you know, they're like given all these prophetic words and there's no authority. They don't even submit to the pastor, doesn't even know who they are. They don't even introduce themselves to the pastor. I think that's foolishness and immaturity in some believers. And yeah, granted, they may, God loves them and God could be using them, but you're not going to, it's not going to go well if you go into a place as a stranger and act a fool. You need to come in with humility and, and show your submission and support and love uh, for the that authority in place. And that's an important thing uh, in any in any organ in any type of thing. You don't even have to be religious. You don't just go into uh, you know a bank and say, "Give me my money." <laughs> you wait in a line. You fill out a form. You wait till your it's your turn. You submit your form. You show your ID. You give them the card. Then they say, "Okay, everything's good. Here's your money." You know it, it, those type of things work in the world. You, you have to have uh, tact and wisdom. You, you go in and you. You know, there's sometimes protocol that you follow when you're trying to go into a already established situation and then do ministry. You want to do it the right way. So if there's, you know, this might be for somebody listening. I don't know. But however, verse nine, some men from what was called the synagogue of the freedom, freed Jewish slaves, both Cyrenians and Alexandrians, and some from Sicilia and the province of Asia rose up and questioned and argued with Stephen but were not able to successfully withstand and cope with the wisdom and the intelligence and the power and inspiration of the spirit by whom he was speaking. So here's, here's Stephen, right? He's walking in the, in the power of God. Jesus is on his side, man. He's living alive in Stephen. The Holy Spirit is alive and well in this man of God. And he's just doing what God, and then of course, What's that going to bring? It's going to bring some haters. It's going to bring some people that are going to have a problem. And they're going to be like, what's going on here? I'm, 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 I'm religious. I'm, hey, hey, what's, hey, what's going on here? I'm, I'm the Holy Ghost police. I got to make sure you're doing it the right way. And they got to rise up and, and uh, some of these guys, right? They come up and they start to question him and argue with him. But they were not able because God was with them. Because God, when when you're when God's on your side, you walk in supernatural ability. Even Jesus showed that, right? There were he would confound. He would, it was like, wow, man, how does he speak with such words? How there there was an ability there for um Jesus when he was speaking, would it would cause people to go, they would they would be in awe and wonder because what he said would ring true in their hearts. He, they couldn't argue. They couldn't you can't come against something because you would just look foolish at that point because that's how uh, good he was at what he was doing. They were not able to successfully withstand and cope with the wisdom and the intelligence and the power and inspiration of the spirit by whom he was speaking. The Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit can come on your life in such a way in such a way, it's like, it's not even you anymore. It's not, it's not the, the, the man, Stephen, it's not the, the, the flesh, Stephen, it's, he's so surrendered and yielded to God that now God is using him in a capacity, in a way that is so above reproach. It confounds the wise. It confounds the people who think they're somebody and it goes in and, and kind of in a, in a, in a, you know, friendly, godly way, just smacks them all. Smack, 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 smack. You ain't got nothing to say. Why? Because this is God using this man. God is here and God is on his life. And we're going to see that Stephen was just radical. Then to attack him another way. Why? Because the devil ain't going to give up. And people's pride when it gets hurt. Oh man, they, they don't forget. Right? When you hurt somebody's pride, if they ain't spiritual and love the Lord, they'll hold on. Even if they have, you know, that's the thing about church people sometimes. Oh, they can be the nastiest. Right. Them Christians that have been Christians a long time, them them stuffy, stuck up ones that, you know, like you hurt them man. they're going to remember it. They're going to look at you with side eyed and, and 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 be all jealous. And, you know, so they, they're going to come at them a different way. They secretly instructed men to say, we have heard this man, Stephen, speak blasphemous and slanderous, sacrilegious, abusive words. 
So God's using them in a powerful way. And here's the, the devil already coming through these, these people who aren't really surrendered to God. They're not there because of to have a relationship with God. Maybe they're there just to get a free meal. Maybe they're there just to, to suck off the off of the community and, and they're not really there to be a part of what God's doing. And they provoked and incited the people as well as the elders and the scribes. And they came up to Stephen and seized him and brought him before the council. Right? They hear so now here's Stephen, he's walking and he's doing it, and he's he's being used by God in a powerful way. And what does it do? It brings persecution. This is the persecution Jesus is talking about. When you walk with God and you walk in the power and the anointing of God, don't think that it's just, you know, I have a minister that that I love that always says, don't think the devil's going to give you a free run up the side, right? You just, he's just going to, oh, oh, you're, you're going to do what God, okay, go ahead. No, no, I'm not going to, I'm not going to resist you. I'm not going to attack you. Go ahead. No, he's going, he actually wants He's going to turn his focus on you. Why? Because you're actually affecting his kingdom. You're doing damage. So he wants to now put his little trigger on you and he wants to end you, silence you, stop you. And so they seized Stephen. Here's the persecution. And they presented false witnesses who said this man never stopped speaking against the holy place and the law of Moses. They're liars. They're flat out liars. They're putting false accusations. They even get people to say lies as witnesses. Like that's like having false witnesses in a court come before and and just lie about somebody who's innocent. For we have heard him say that this Jesus, the Nazarene, will tear down this place and will challenge the traditions and customs which Moses handed down to us. Then all those who were sitting in the council stared intently at him and they saw that Stephen's face was like the face of an angel. How cool is that? Right? Stephen's face is now like this heavenly glow, the shine of God, the shine of the Holy Spirit, the power of God resting upon him and backing him and with him. Like, that's cool. Like, I want, I want that in my life. I want like, even the haters are like, whoa, this guy looks different. He looks like an angel. <laughs> False accusers, people hating him, people wanting now who we're going to find out are going to literally kill him. But yet they look at him and they see something pure and holy and beautiful because God is resting and living on this inside of this man. Now the high priest asked Stephen, are these charges true? This is verse seven. I mean, sorry, chapter seven, verse one. Now the high priest asked Stephen, are these charges true? And he answered, brothers and fathers, listen to me. The glory of God, the Shekinah, the radiance of God appeared to our father Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia before he lived in Haran. And he said to him, leave your country and your relatives and come to the land that I will show you. Then he left the land of the Chaldeans and settled in Haran. And from there, after his father died, God sent him to this country in which you now live. But he did not give him inheritable property, not even enough ground to take a step on. Yet he promised that he would give it to him as a possession and to his descendants after him. So here's Stephen uh, going into the history and he, we're just going to read it. But he's going to go in and he's just going to literally just, in my terms, smoke all these people smoke them. What's that mean? He's going to astound them. He's going to just lay it out. And they got nothing to come back with. He's going to speak the truth. He's going to use the Bible. He knows the word of God. He knows it probably better than any of these religious scribes He because it's God on him and he's anointed to do it and he's laying it out before them. And so we're going to see uh, here. Let's move forward. And this is, in effect, what God spoke to him, that his descendants would be alien strangers in a foreign land and that they would be enslaved and mistreated for 400 years. And I will judge any nation to whom they will be in bondage, said God. And after that, they will come out and serve me and worship in this place. And God gave Abraham a covenant, a formal agreement to be strictly observed of which circumcision was the sign. And so under these circumstances, Abraham became the father of Isaac. And circumcised him on the eighth day. And Isaac became the father of Jacob. And Jacob became the father of the twelve patriarchs. The, the 
ten elder patriarchs, overwhelmed with jealousy, sold their younger brother Joseph into slavery. So he's just going through the, the history of their history, right? He's he's taking what they know, what they've been taught as children, and he's speaking it back. And he's going to tie in the gospel in such a sweet way that it's going to you're going to see such a response that is just crazy to me. But this is the evil of what what happens when people don't have God in their life. He sold Joseph into slavery in Egypt, but God was with him, and he rescued him from all his suffering and gave him favor and wisdom in the sight of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and he made Joseph governor over Egypt and over his entire household. Now a famine came over all Egypt and Canaan, bringing great distress, and our fathers could not find food for their households and livestock. But when Jacob heard that there was grain in Egypt, he sent out our fathers there the first time and on the second visit joseph identified himself to his brothers and joseph's family and background were revealed to pharaoh then joseph sent and invited jacob his father and all his relatives to come to him 75 persons in all and jacob went down into egypt and there he died as did our fathers and from egypt their bodies were taken back to shechem and placed in the tomb with abraham which abraham had purchased for a sum of money for the sons of hamor and shechem but as that time for the fulfillment of the promise which God had made to Abraham was approaching, the Hebrew people increased and multiplied in Egypt until the time when there arose another king of e over Egypt who did not know Joseph nor his history and the merit of his service to Egypt. He shrewdly exploited our race and mistreated our fathers, forcing them to expose their male babies so that they would die. It was as this critical time that Moses was born and he was lovely in the sight of God. And for three months he was nourished in his father's house. Then he, went, then he was set outside to die. Pharaoh's daughter rescued him and claimed him for herself and cared for him as her own son. So Moses was educated in all the wisdom and culture of, of the Egyptians. And he was a man of power in words and deeds. But when he reached the age of 40, it came into his heart to visit his brothers, the sons of Israel. And when he saw one of them being treated unfairly, he defended the oppressed man and avenged him by striking and killing the Egyptian. He expected his countrymen to understand that God was granting them freedom through him, assuming that they would accept him, but they did not understand. Then on the next day, he suddenly appeared to the two of them as they were fighting, and he tried to reconcile them, saying, Men, you are brothers. Why do you wrong one another? But the man who was injuring his neighbor punished or pushed Moses away, saying, Who appointed you ruler and judge over us? Do you intend to kill me as you did the Egyptian? At his remark, Moses fled and became an exile in the land of Midian, where he fathered two sons. After 40 years had passed, an angel appeared to him in the wilderness of Mount Sinai in the flame of a burning thorn bush. When Moses saw it, he was astonished at the sight, but he as he went near to look more closely, the voice of the Lord came to him, saying, I am the God of your forefathers, the God of Abraham, of Isaac, and of Jacob. Moses trembled with fear and did not dare look. Then the Lord said to him, Remove the sandals from your feet, for the place where you are standing is holy ground, worthy of reverence and respect. I have most certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt, and have heard their groaning, and I have come down to rescue them. Now come, and I will send you to Egypt as my messenger. This Moses, whom they rejected, saying, Who made you a ruler and a judge? is the very one whom God sent to be both ruler and deliverer with the protecting and helping hand of, of the angel who appeared to him in the, burnt, in the thorn bush. This man led them out of Egypt after performing wonders and signs in the land of Egypt at the Red Sea in the wilderness for 40 years. This is Moses who said to the children of Israel, God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your countrymen. This is the one who was in the congregation in the wilderness together with the angel who spoke to him on Mount Sinai. And who was with our fathers, and he received living oracles, divine words that still live to be handed down to you. Our fathers were unwilling to be subject to him and refused to listen to him. They rejected him and in their hearts turned back to Egypt. They said to Aaron, make for us gods who will go before us. For, the, for this Moses who led us out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has happened to him. In those days, they made a calf and brought a sacrifice to the idol and rejoiced and celebrated over the works of their hands. But God turned away from them and handed them over to serve the hosts of heaven, as it is written and forever remains, written in the book of the prophets. It was not really to me that you offered victims and sacrifices for 40 years in the wilderness, was it, O house of Israel? You also took along the tabernacle, portable temple of Moloch, and the star of the god Ramphra, 
the images which you made to worship, and I, were, and I will remove you beyond Babylon, carrying you away into exile. So here it is. You, you see that there's idol worship. The, the Israelites, their hearts and, the, and the, the dynamic there of bondage was still in them. Even though God was wanting to deliver them, their hearts were turning to idols. They were, they were not willing to surrender and submit to God. Our fathers had the, ta- and this is verse 44, our fathers had the tabernacle of testimony in the wilderness, just as God directed Moses to make it according to the pattern which he had seen. Our fathers also brought it in with them in the land, which Joshua then dis- disposed the nations whom God drove out before our fathers. And so it remained here until the time of David, who found favor, grace, spiritual blessing in the sight of God and asked that he might be allowed to find a dwelling place for the God of Jacob. But it was Solomon who built a house for him. However, the Most High, the one infinitely exalted above humanity, does not dwell in houses made by human hands. As the prophet Isaiah says, heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool for my feet. What kind of house will you build for me, says the Lord? Or what place is there for my rest? Was it not my hand that made all these things? You stiff-necked people and stubborn people, uncircumcised in heart and ears, you are always actively resisting the Holy Spirit. You are doing just as your fathers did. Which one of you, of the prophets, did your fathers not persecute? They killed those who proclaimed beforehand the coming of the righteous one, whose betrayers and murderers you have now become. You who received the law as ordained and delivered to you by angels, and yet you did not obey it. So Stephen is literally says all of this to come to a place to use the story of what all these men were taught, right? As young, young men, they know what he's talking about and he is speaking to them. And now he's illuminating the issue, right? The, the point of what God got to you guys are stiff necked and rebellious and you don't want to hear the truth. You're, you are resisting and pushing away from God instead of opening your heart and your life to God. And here it is in verse 54. Now, when they heard this accusation and understood its implication, right? Because they, they, it was clear God was doing this. God was speaking through Stephen in this moment. It wasn't Stephen going here. Let me just give you a little Bible lesson. God is actually ministering through Stephen and speaking to these men. And this is what happens. They heard this accusation, understood it, and they were cut to the heart. They begin grinding their teeth in rage at him. So it looks like they're mad at Stephen, but really this is their response to a holy God, to an awesome God who is a loving, pure, amazing God who created everything, who, who has given them everything they have, who's given them the air they breathe. And because he comes and just gets right to the point, just goes right to the heart area and the issue, and exposes it, this is their response. They get so angry that they grind their teeth in rage. They're so angry and mad about it. They're, they want to, this is what they do. So, but he, Stephen, being full of the Holy Spirit and led by him, gazed into heaven and saw the glory, the great splendor of the majesty of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, look, I see the heavens open up in welcome and the son of man standing at the right hand of God. But they shouted with loud voices and covered their ears and rushed at him. This is crazy. Here's a supernatural thing happening right in front of them. They've already seen him look like an angel. He's speaking truth. And these men, they shout with loud voices, cover their ears and they rush at him, considering him guilty of blasphemy. Then they drove him out of the city and began stoning him. They threw rocks. They threw boulders at him and hit his flesh with stone. His bone with rocks being hurled, just smacking him, beating him to a pulp. And the witnesses placed their outer robes at the feet of a young man named Saul. And here's here's old Saul about to get smoked. And we're going to go into this in my next podcast. And I believe I'm going to have some guests, uh, hopefully on this one, we're going to talk about this. They continue stoning Stephen and he called on the Lord and said, Lord Jesus, receive and accept and welcome my spirit. Then falling on his knees in worship, he cried out loudly, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. Do not charge them. When he had said this, he fell asleep in death. 
So here's Stephen doing exactly what Jesus did. Forgive them for they know not what they do. But here's, here's the issue, right? And this is the issue we're going to face even in today's. It, it's been throughout history. You're going to have men in creation who, whose hearts are wicked. Can they be redeemed? Yes. Can God come in and change them? Yes. That's our prayer. That's our passion. But you're going to have people who at the core of their being hate God. Even people who actually say they know him, they represent him. These were Pharisees. These were people who were all religious, right? They, they were like the know, they had everything, they figured it out. But as soon as this young man on fire, full of God, full of the Holy Spirit, wasn't religious, wasn't brought up in a religious system, comes in and he brings the fire, he brings the truth. It's not even him, it's the spirit of God on him. And he goes and he smokes these guys, right, by the spirit. He smokes them in, in a way that it's, it's God doing it. It's not just a guy coming in thinking he knows it all. He's just this young Stephen. I'm, I'm so great and wonderful before the Lord. And I'm going to just tell all you old guys and all you people who think you know it all. I'm, the, I'm a know-it-all, right? No, he comes in by the Holy Ghost to expose their hearts, to expose the wickedness in their hearts. Instead of bowing on their face and worshiping the God they say they know, they take the one that God's brought. And they go and they kill him and they murder him. Just like they did to the prophets of old. They murdered him. That's why uh, Jesus said, you, you killed the prophets. You, dist- you murdered them. Uh, there's a scripture in the Bible where you see Jesus basically calling out the Pharisees saying, your fathers killed the guys God sent. And that's what's going to happen in the last days. That's what's going to happen in our hour and the hour to come. There's going to be men who God raises up to come and to bring truth and to speak the gospel and preach the truth. And you're going to have people who rise up with such indignation and evil. And and some of them are going to be even those that would say that they love, that they know God. That's what, that's the sad thing. The religious system is going to reject the supernatural move of God. The religious structure is going to, it's going to spit out this, the Holy Spirit and the move and the revival, it's, it's not going to receive it because it's so corrupt on the inside that it can't. But there are going to be those who are going to respond, who are going to come to the Lord, who are going to break. It's like Jesus said, the rock's either going to fall on you and crush you or it's going or, or to break you and you're going to be broken, right? So there's a time where Jesus comes and he comes to, to get at the heart of man and, and challenge their stinking lives and their, their, their mindsets and instead of them responding to God, they think they're just responding to man and they go and they murder him. And we're going to see martyrs and people in the end days who, who are going to take it, right? Take it for the Lord. Take one for the team of heaven. Take one for, the, for Jesus in becoming a martyr for God. Wow, that's powerful. That's incredible. I want you to think about that. I want you to think about that. What if God called you what if god had put you in a place wants to raise you up to be a radical on fire believer that you would be in a place you would never know this i mean i don't think any of these guys anybody who does but you go out and you're just radical for jesus to where it costs you your life because you're god positioned you specifically to be this for his kingdom it's a choice and i think stephen was able to to surrender to that in died for the truth died for what he believed died for and in it i believe what it did was it then did something in saul who was standing there a seed was planted a move of the spirit happened in saul who then later becomes paul who is the reason why we have a lot of the bible and a lot of what we teach and doctrine and all the stuff that we have this man paul who was a murderer who was uh, wretched before the Lord in the sense of his heart was totally turned, but God gets a hold of him and shifts him and changes him. So there are going to be those that God takes because Paul's heart, I believe, was pure. Paul thought he was doing the right thing, but when Jesus came in and encountered him, he realized, wow, I'm actually persecuting the real deal, the God of of this earth the one I thought I was serving and loved, I'm actually killing the ones he loves. 
Father, I thank you for this word. I pray it blesses everyone. And I pray you have a blessed week. And God just anoints and equips and empowers you in Jesus' name. Amen.